0: Back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorporateReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. I filled the potholes. Pay me instead of your taxes. We've got that story plus making your own clothes. But first, on this all good news episode of New World Next Week for Thanksgiving, as threatened and promised last week, we're giving thanks for solutions oriented stories and some of the ways that we are winning. And we'll begin with, I think, one of my favorites from this past year. And I should tell folks here from the outset. All these stories are being pulled from previous episodes of Good News next week. That's my spinoff from New World next week that looks at Good News stories. So all of these have already been published, and I think they're just some of my favorites of this past year. And we'll begin with No Copyright for Old Works, which was my first Good News Next Week episode for 2019, which noted that for the first time in 20 years, January 1st, 2019, published works entered the U.S. public domain. Works from 1923 will be free for all to use and build upon without permission or fee. They include Ten Commandments, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd, Robert Frost, Aldous Huxley, Edith Wharton, The Charleston Song, all kinds of stuff. Works from 1923 were set to go into the public domain in 1999 after a 75-year copyright term, but Congress Critters in 1998 hit a two-decade pause button and extended their copyright terms for 20 years, giving works published between 1923 and 1977 an expanded term of 95 years. But now the drought is over. So again, all kinds of amazing stuff that, again, people are now free to remix and use and cover and chop up and do all those things to. And I think really, James, this kind of helps shine a light on essentially the destructive nature of copyright laws, which brings us to essentially one of your favorites, James. This is an interesting bit. 1947's It's a Wonderful Life entered the public domain in 1975 because its copyright wasn't properly renewed. They they fudged it up. So it, after the 28-year term, became public domain. It had actually been a flop on initial release, but thanks to its public domain status, It became a holiday classic because everybody was free to show it over and over again around the Christmas holidays, of course, making the film immensely popular. Then copyright law re-entered the picture. In 1993, the film's original copyright holder, capitalizing on a then-recent Supreme Court case, reasserted copyright based on its ownership of the film's musical score. and the short story on which the film was based, the film itself is still in the public domain. It's in just this... Weird, super complicated mess, James, of essentially people fighting over a story. But I think what it comes down to is it only became a success because of its public domain status, and now it's kind of been pulled back into parts of copyright. So aside from the wonderful life part, James, this is still pretty good news on copyright. It certainly is.
1: Uh, And you're right. It It exposes the absolute lunacy of intellectual property laws, which are a net drag on the economy and a net detriment to creators. There is more incentive to creators in a system where uh, there is no copyright. And I know that sounds counterintuitive because we've been brought up under the copyright propaganda regime our entire lives to try to unindoctrinate yourself from that. I would wholeheartedly suggest maybe you dip your toe into the waters with my recent podcast on Steal This Podcast, Please. Uh, where I talked about intellectual property and the nonsense that it is. Uh, or, uh, if you want to get more in-depth, I would definitely, as always, I would recommend you subscribe to the Gintela on Liberty podcast. He's got dozens and dozens and dozens of lectures and podcasts in his archive talking about these things. But, you know, oh, thank God Congress stepped in in 1998 and renewed that or extended that copyright for another 25 years because whatever would the great-grandchildren of Harold Lloyd, have done without that extra $3.17 they undoubtedly made in royalty checks. Absolute nonsense. And it's just there for Mickey Mouse Corporation and its its corporate cronies. That's what this law is for. It is not for helping individual creative people. So stop buying
0: into the copyright propaganda, goddammit. It's been it's been called the Mickey Mouse Protection Act when they were running all this stuff through Congress. Now jump to the present day. And, you know, they only just own Star Wars, The Simpsons, Spider-Man, every single thing. And again, they're just kind of tightening that grip. James, I I tried to find sort of a simple way to explain this. It's a wonderful life story. I was like, oh, my God, this requires whole own episode. So that story, actually no copyright for old works, was the cover story of a Good News Next Week episode way back in January of 2019. And we'll continue on this all good news episode of New World Next Week. One of my best normie friends, and he's a dear friend I've had for 25 years. He just what about the roads to me just a few days ago while I was, of course, texting him taxation is theft memes, as you know, I just keep it the steady background of our friendship. I mean, without the government, who would ignore the potholes? Not this pothead from Nova Scotia, the story from Activist Post, and the Mind Unleashed Canadian man fills potholes, gets pot, coffee, cash from grateful locals sometimes when shiftless bureaucracy prevents crucial government work from getting done citizens will take matters into their own hands one canadian man took it upon himself to fill potholes in his nova scotia town receiving warm support from his neighbors as well as some material aid as some bud some fresh brewed coffee and of course some cash john McHugh, 22 years old decided to do the road work after smashing into a massive pothole in his hometown of stellerton while out for a drive with his mother. So rather than nagging his city council or writing to local elected politicians, he grabbed a snow shovel, began patching up the craterscape of worn down roads by himself. This according to CBC News. Setting about to fill the potholes with gravel, he put up a sign that read, I filled the potholes. Pay me instead of your taxes. James, this is another bit of good news that again... uh, There's always a little more complication, I think, to these good news stories. So there's, you know, I I couldn't step outside and tell you the proper thing that should maybe fill a pothole. That might be a good thing that lasts because this story, of course, had the had the pushback. You don't know what you're doing. You're out there. You're going to make a mess. You're actually putting yourself in danger. But I still I think it's better than the alternative. Hey, James. Yeah, well,
1: exactly what is. What is the alternative is not uh, because in our minds, it's the government fills in the potholes. No, no. The government uh, hires corporations that go and fill in the potholes. I mean, that's how it works anyway. How about cut out the middleman, the government that's sucking the blood out of everyone and then giving a few drops back here and there? Oh, thank you, government. How could we possibly have done that without you oh, from whom all mana flows uh, for more uh, another take on this same type of story? People should note, we did essentially cover this a couple of years ago on New World Next Week, where we talked about Toronto man builds park stairs for $550 after city gives $65,000 estimate. And we also mentioned a story at that time, anarchists fixing potholes on Portland streets. So this is not an isolated phenomenon. People step up and do the job when the government neglects to do the job. Because, hey, how do you fire the government? where do I have where do I
0: have that power where's that switch somehow that that, that got left out of this equation I yeah thanks for reminding me of that I forgot about that story and of course I think the 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 sad conclusion to the Toronto stair story was they made him tear it down because he made the government look like stooges and of course he he's not you know properly you know accredited to do such a thing Hi, that was a story, well, not a cover story on a Good News Next Week episode, but that was featured in the Good News Next Week episode, getting slightly higher in New Hexaco, as they have been updating some of the cannabis laws, or at least attempting to down here in New Hexaco. So finally, on this all-good-news edition of New World Next Week, this is episode 393, if you're keeping score for thanksgiving and again we hope everybody is doing really safe and sound out there it is a crazy time and i think what we're doing here in in what we call you know alt media you know the truth or community any other sort of outdated term i, I think we're trying to learn our way forwards and we want to do it you know we want to do it in a in a fear-free kind of loving way oh Pilato, he's such a hippie finally on this good news on this good news edition of neural next week MIT, more on that in just a second, working on AI knitting software that will let anyone make their own clothes. The growing popularity of 3D printing has given previously unimaginable powers to makers, enabling them to create everything from cosplay accessories to replacement parts. But even though 3D printing has launched a new world of customized objects, most of us still buy our clothes off the rack. Researchers at MIT working on software that will allow anyone to customize or design their own knitwear, even if they've never picked up a ball of yarn. A team of researchers at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, led by computer scientist Alexander Kaspar, released two new papers recently describing the software. One's about a system called Inverse Knit that automatically creates patterns from photos of knitted items. The other introduces new design software called CAD Knit, computer assisted design, CAD Knit, that allows people with no knitting or design experience to quickly customize templates, adjusting the size, final shape, and decorative details. The final patterns can be used with a knitting machine, which of course has been available to home knitters for years, and this is where it gets to the sticky wicket part. This can still require a fair amount of technical knowledge in order to design patterns for all of this. I actually did sewing back in high school, I've kind of lost my skills. An amazing media monarchy member gifted me a sewing machine last Christmas. It's still in the box. I haven't been able to use it yet. So this is kind of complicated, which is actually a point that a Media Monarchy member, Alice, made who does make her own clothes. She noted in the comments of this, like, you can't just kind of be any geek off the street and make your own clothes. It's still it's kind of, you got to, you got to work at it like any of these things. You got to have the gumption. But again, I like to think that a lot of these good news stories aren't about people or events. They're about ideas. Some of the other stories from that same episode become your own knitting factory. Families choose homeschool over vaccination. Court rules government ro- must refund millions in red light cameras. So I know anytime, James, a, a place like MIT is in the story, this becomes not unmitigated good news. But I, you, you'd probably like to be able to make your own kiddos clothes, right?
1: Uh, well, I, I'm sure they wouldn't like that because it would turn out to be like uh, Lisa's Florida costume. Um, you know what i'm talking about but uh uh yeah no well yes maybe my wife could do that but yeah obviously it would be great if we could go back to a, a culture where it wasn't so unbelievably strange that people what you make your own clothes what a weird concept well of course it shouldn't be and uh anyway of course it was i mean let's reflect on the indian independence movement and how spinning your own uh thread was part of independence from the British Empire, that was self-sustaining sustainability and and how to get off of the chains of the empire. Uh, it's more than just symbolic. It's an it's an actual real thing that, that people can do. But I, I think you're right. This comes back to the point, you know, obviously, MIT, AI, like, what the hell? All these buzzwords. So I'm sure the people in the comments can fill us in on why this is a horrible thing. But you're right. It isn't about specific... Places and and things and institutions. It is about ideas. So, what is the underlying idea that we keep going back to in these solution stories? And I think it's actually brilliantly encapsulated in a recent article that John Rutherford, uh, sorry, John Whitehead, put out at the Rutherford Institute, called "This Thanksgiving, Don't Just Give Thanks." Pay Your Blessings Forward. I'm going to put that uh, article in the show notes so people can go and read it in its entirety. Please do. Please actually read that article because it goes into a lot of depth about the bystander effect and how to overcome that and things like that. But uh, essentially, he goes on to say, instead of just giving thanks this holiday season with words that are too soon forgotten, why not put your gratitude into action with deeds that spread a little kindness, lighten someone's burden, and brighten some dark corner? Pay your blessings forward in whatever way makes sense to you. And I think that's ultimately what this comes back to time and time again. Knowledge without action is nothing. If we do not take this knowledge that we're gaining week in, week out, as we study all of these horrible things that are being done to us, oh hope, hopeless, helpless little us... If we don't take that knowledge and apply it and do something with it and enact something in the real world and help other people, then what is the point of any of this? Just to sit there as bystanders and just sort of watch as the world goes to hell? No, we have a part to play in this. And that's what this is about. And that's what the the motivation is here. So it's not just about giving thanks in some sort of abstract way. It's about doing something, turning this into action.
0: That's a great, that's great. James, you you got me thinking about it though. I, my mom made some of our clothes growing up. We were, had, a, had a good, you know, kind of, you know, earthy upbringing. We had a giant garden. We did lots of canning and mom would make some of our clothes. So there was, folks might remember these. There were these popular shorts called Jams, I think maybe with a Z, but they had, you know, wild eighties colors and graphics on them. And they were the coolest thing that kids, you know, into skating and all that stuff should have. Mom got patterns that looked like the jam style and made pretty much knockoff jams for us. And I think only a few people knew. And even maybe at the time, it was like, oh, gosh, people are going to know these are a fake knockoff thing. What difference (laughs) does that make? What a fantastic thing. We can make our own things. James, thanks for letting me kind of shine a light on Good News Next Week episodes. I really I, I don't make them as often as folks would like. I don't make them as often as I would like because the sad truth is, There's not a ton of good news out there. Now, there's all those kind of fun animal stories and kind of cutesy things, but those, again, don't get the, the ideas that we're trying to hit at here. So I appreciate you letting me shine a light on good news next week. That is just one of the parts of my mighty Media Monarchy Kingdom where I stream news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Mountain Time. I would love for people to come check it out, James.
1: Well, this is the part where I would generally observe that real Thanksgiving is in October. But I guess I'm turning Japanese because now I tend to think, Thanksgiving? That's just a made-up holiday. Everyone knows that the real holiday in November is Culture Day. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, but, but I will refrain from that this year. I will simply give thanks uh, on air here. Uh, let's give thanks to the people who did bother to send in their suggestions for good news stories this week. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I'd like to thank... All of the subscribers to the Corporate Report and to Media Monarchy for making this w- website, these websites, and this work possible. Without you, these websites wouldn't be here. And I'd like to give thanks to you, James, for the work that you do at Media Monarchy week, day in, day out, week in, week out. Hard work. I appreciate what you do over there, and I'm very thankful and grateful for the fact that we actually got to physically meet in person for the first time in a decade of doing this. That was an awesome experience from this past year. So thank you.
0: Absolutely, man. And listening to your, uh, to your new questions for Corbett today, where you're talking about, you know, where you started. And it was like, oh, wait, I, I know what he's talking about. I've, I've been there now. Again, making these connections in real life, making the action, taking the action. That's what we're talking about. That's what this all comes back to, James. I appreciate you, buddy. I love you so much, man. I'm thankful for you and all of this that we're able to do just in our own little kind of small way. We're one little small part of this, but it ripples all out. And I appreciate you, man.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, let's do it again next week. Talk to you then. Take care.